Now, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is Drew Lang. I'm the youth pastor here at Golfside Church, and you may see a bunch of youth students in the front, and it's because we just had summer camp three weeks ago. Let's go! Woo! Yeah, that, that, that was your cue for, like, cheer and applause, but <laughs> uh, it was incredible. Uh, it was absolutely amazing. And how many of you have ever been to a summer camp before? Okay, so we got a few people. So when I say things like summer camp games, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Maybe, maybe you don't. Okay, so let's, let's break it down for a second. What did these youth students do? So they came uh, July 5th on Monday. They all packed up into buses, and then we divided them into three teams. And then summer camp games, we try to make them as close as possible to the point of injury, but not close enough that anyone will get injured. So you have these teens who we tell them that if they win these games, they'll get points. And then all the adrenaline just kicks in, and it is an incredible week. Uh, I, look, they, they're, bro- they're broken up into three teams, and the goal is to win summer camp. So they try to get points for everything. So they get points for winning games. They get points for sportsmanship, for team spirit, and my personal favorite, sucking up points. What does that mean? They give me nice stuff. They, they treat me nice. Like, for example, one student gave me a gallon of sweet tea, and I instantly gave them 20,000 points, because that's, that's a good suck-up point. Who likes sucking up points? Anyone? Does anyone like being sucked up to? No? Okay. Just me? Oh, cool. Uh, but, you know, the first night we got there, and I'm like, okay, I've, I've been to a lot of summer camps as a student, as an intern, now as a youth pastor. I know what's coming. And the first week, everyone's coming in, and the, some of them, they've never really talked to other people. So... They're kind of awkward. They don't know what to do during worship or the sermon or the games or how far, like how much fun they can have if they can talk to people. And the entire time I'm like, okay, just wait until night four. The final night hits them every time. And let me tell you, 34 students came to summer camp this year. All of them were changed and affected by God. All of them, every single one of them. And, you know, I could, I could, I could tell you all their stories. I could tell you every story from every person that's sitting right here. But in, instead of actually doing that, uh, we asked a few to give their testimony. So, if, uh, Nicole, if you can just play that video. So, Josh, what, what was your life like before camp? Uncomfortable. Uh... My life before camp was, um, one could say difficult, because I was not hanging out with the right group of friends and I was just not having really good thoughts in my mind. So it wasn't as smooth and clean as I wanted, I guess, eighth grade to be. Before camp, I was dealing with a lot of struggles at home. I was stressed about a situation with a friend and I got into a car accident earlier this year and I felt a lot of guilt about that and just anxious in general. I struggled with finding the motivation to spend time in the Word and with God because I felt like I had to figure everything out on my own in a way. In the back of my mind, I knew I didn't need to, but I just needed a push to really take that step. Uh, I was really worried and stressed all the time. I had stopped reading my Bible as much as I should, and I stopped praying. Uh, I had trouble with people in my class. They weren't very nice to each other, and I was kind of quiet. I only talked to 
people I knew were gonna be nice to me. Uh, at first when I heard about camp, I didn't really wanna go because I thought it was gonna be like, oh, we're just gonna be going out. So I like, it's just gonna be like a waste of time. Cause I mean, what's like, the only thing I'm gonna benefit is hanging out with Drew. So I might as well not go, <laughs> so. Chloe Littler invited me to camp. And at first I was very nervous because I only knew a couple of people, but I knew what it was going to be like, like an idea of it, because I've been to many camps with my church before, but I've never been with this church. So when I first saw the camp, we were driving up the, like the back road with all the trees and we got to see the lake and Abigail and Nicole and I were very excited. We got to drive down the little windy road and we saw the basketball court and the slip and slide and it was really exciting. Uh, when I first got off the bus, it was uh, new because I thought we were um, gonna be in like in, in a forest and like a bunch of log cabins. So, but when I actually saw like a full on uh, building, like a house church and like, and like stuff like that, I, I got pretty excited. Because uh, I was just like, hey, this, this might actually not be all that too bad. I was really excited and there's a big mess of people, all of them trying to reach for the bags and get inside first. The first night I was really moved. The Holy Spirit just touched all of us in different ways. Uh, I felt God in my heart and I felt like I needed to start spreading His Word more. I think I was not doing a good job with that. I need to start reading my Bible more. I think one phrase that stuck out to me, don't hold on to the thorns in your life and if you do then they'll take you further than you want to go. And I think I was already further and I needed to come back to Him. Um, he said, don't hold on to darkness, which is I had been holding on to the past, stressing over things that could have been resolved. Um, I just felt him really telling me to let all of that go. During worship especially, um, we really felt God move. The Holy Spirit was definitely present in the room and everyone was, well, everyone that I saw was crying their eyes out. and but. For me especially, I've been praying for a certain three people for a long time now. And that night, um, a weight got lifted off of her shoulders and it's something I've been waiting for for a very long time and getting to witness that with her and experience that was um, life-changing and I am very grateful for that experience. There are situations in Indiana, like someone is dying in the hospital one of our family friends, and God just spoke to me and said that everything's gonna be okay. Uh, the last night, it was uh, very serious, like uh, very different, because I was overjoyed, I but yet very sad at the same time, I guess, because uh, I, took a new step towards towards God. I really wanted to to learn and enjoy being in the presence of my Heavenly Father. So now I want to pray, sing, and I want to actually now pay attention more to uh, sermons that I hear because I used to just listen in on it and then throw it out as soon as I walked out the door. So Josh, uh, what has your life been since camp? 
full of joy, joyful. When a student gets five days, 120 hours, 7,200 minutes, gets away from all distractions, gets away from anything that can take their focus away and focus on one thing, and that's God. Everything changes. It happens every time. It's truly incredible. And those are only five of the testimonies. I could probably bring every student up here and they'd all tell you something else. Because when you get away with God and you focus on him purely, get rid of all the distractions, he will come and he comes in a mighty way every time. So first off, before we continue, um, a lot of these students needed financial help and they worked in the kids' ministry for a bit to help raise money for camp. Uh, if you have had uh, anonymous donations from some of you guys, uh, thank you, all of you. Uh, you're the reason that we had a summer camp. So can we just give a round of applause to you guys? Seriously, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. So Paul asked me uh, when I came back from uh, camp, he's like, hey, you need to do a sermon on camp. And in my mind, I kind of don't, <laughs> I don't like that, uh, only because there's only a few people here that went to camp and no one else did. So it's kind of hard to give a sermon about camp when most of you haven't, weren't even there. Uh, and in my heart, deep down inside, I always feel like that there's just more to this than just the camp experience. I really want to focus on what happens afterwards. So if you want a title for this sermon, it's called Afterwards. And what I really want to hit today is what happens after camp? What happens after the move of God? What happens after your salvation? Because here's the truth of the matter. You're saved once, you're sanctified the rest of your life. And that's a process. And if you view salvation as your finish line and not your starting line, you're going to miss so much that God has for you. So person that you, this is your first time here. You've had some encounters with Jesus, but you're not really living it out. Youth student that went to camp. Person that has known Jesus for a long time and just had an encounter recently. Don't leave it there. Don't leave the encounter where it's at. I think there's two main issues for this. I, I think one of the reasons why we have an issue with continuing the call that, that God has for us, two things. First off, we don't really even know the, the call of God in our life. And that's a weird churchy term and we'll get to that. But I think the second reason is even if we do know, we don't know how to get there. So we're just going to unpack that. And my goal today is to make this as simple as possible, as clear as possible, to the point that I'm even like putting it up on the screen uh, so that there's no confusion about what God has for you in your life and how you should do that. So uh, our scripture today is going to be in Colossians 3, 1 through 10. It's, it's actually the first uh, scripture that I had to memorize in college. So this one's near and dear to my heart, and I'm super excited. Uh, so let's get into the word. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be on the screen. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. 
It's kind of a downer point. Don't worry, we're, we're going to continue. Uh, you used to walk in these ways in a life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all things such as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on your new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of its creator. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And first and foremost, I pray that this is about you. Uh, the, the lights, the camera, the worship, the speaking, it, it's important, but it's worthless if you're not here. So Lord, I pray that you just use us and that we learn something today. Amen. So there's a, a question around all of this, and I think it's a question that every Christian at some point needs to answer. What does God have for you? What's the call on your life? And when I first heard the term call, the call of God, I actually thought that God would call my cell phone, okay? Like, the call of God. Oh, God's going to call my cell phone. It's a, it's a phone call. Uh, we've made words for this type of thing, and I really just want to break it down, and I want to make it really clear and simple for you guys. So, what is the call of God in your life? Simple. Live your life for God. Live your life for God. Now, there's a lot there, because here's the issue. We all have the same point, but our directions are all different. So, you living your life for God doesn't always mean that you'll be a pastor or working on a staff. It actually could mean that you work in construction or a server or an accountant. But at the end of the day, are you living your life for God? Is that your first and primary focus? We've taken this to mean that if you are on staff, then you're living your call for God. Or if you're a missionary at another country, you're, you're living your call for God. But I'm just letting you know, the call of God is not an occupation. It's a way of life. And if you treat it like an occupation, you're going to miss everything else. The call of God is a way of life. But here's something else that I think we have an issue with, okay? Just because the call is the same doesn't mean we even achieve the same. So how do we even get there? If we're all called in one direction, but we don't even know where we're going or how we're going to get there or how that works in our life, how are we even going to get there? And why do we even do that? What's the point of it? Why should we live our life for God? Let me put it like this. It's James 2, 18 through 19. And it is one of the most convicting verses, in my opinion, in the Bible. Okay, get ready for this. This is going to slap you in the face. Okay. James 2, 18 through 19. But someone will say, you have faith. I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. I'm just going to let you know, you may have been told incorrectly, that if you just say you're a Christian, you're okay. And accepting Jesus is part of it, but if you don't live your life, then are you really showing the love of God? Do you really care about God? Let me put it like this. Let's say I go home immediately after this sermon. I walk up to my wife. I'm like, hey, babe, I love you. And then I instantly ignore her for the rest of the night. I don't do any of the chores. I don't mess with the kids. She's just on her own. First off, I wouldn't be married for very long. But secondly, I can say one thing, but my actions don't point to that. In fact, we even, we call out abusive relationships because they say that they love each other, but really they're hurting each other. So just saying that you're a Christian, just saying that you love God isn't enough if you don't prove it. If you don't back it up. So why should we live our life for Christ? Because that's the way we prove it. When we live our life for Christ, day in and day out, in every area that you're at, you show 
that you love God. So we all get this. How do we even get there? Well, let's break it down pretty easy. I got three points and they're all three scriptures. Number one, set your mind on things above. Now this one is a pretty hard one. Uh, It's not easy. Why? Because so many, personally my generation and the next generation, we're so focused on all the anxiety and worry of this day and age that we can't even focus on what really matters. Some of you know too well what people call you and you don't even know what God calls you. Some of you are so focused on that one text, that one Facebook post. But God is patient and loving and he gives patience and love to us. Do you set your mind on things above? Because I guarantee you, maybe some of the issues that you've been having, it's not because Satan attacks you, although that does happen sometimes. Maybe, just maybe, it's because you filled your mind with all the wrong things. If you focus on anxiety, you're probably going to have anxiety, just letting you know. Now, I'm not downplaying possible medical affiliations that can happen. What I am saying is this. Jesus deserves to be first and foremost in our life. There's a theologian, uh, his name is Vaughn Roberts. And he says it like this. Earthly things are not all evil, but some of them are. Even things harmless in themselves become harmful if permitted to take the place that should be received from things above. So here's how I interpret this. Jesus died for you fully and completely at your worst. Who are we to hold off half our life? Who are we to give him Sunday and Wednesday, but not the rest of the week? Who are we to just say, Lord, I love you, I appreciate you, and I love you here, but not love him out there? It's not just about saying it. There's so much more. What do you focus on? Romans 12, 2 says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is his good and pleasing will. It's not just the fact that you focus on the heavenly things. It's that you put it first and foremost in your life. That's the difficult part for me because I can focus on godly things, but first, I like gossiping just as much as the next guy. But if I'm really trying to seek after God, there's no room for gossip in my head. And again, You're going to be sanctified your entire life. So this is going to come and come and come and you're going to mess up and that's okay. We are not people that are adverse or afraid of failing, but we have to try. We have to try. So that's the first point. Really simple, really easy. Let me make the second point. And this one's really difficult for me. Number two, put to death your earthly nature. Colossians 3, 5. This one is so hard for me. I don't like this one a lot. Why is that? You can't hold your sin in one hand and your Savior in another. (sighs) Put to death your earthly nature. Robert Vaughn also, sorry, uh, Vaughn Roberts also had another quote about this. And this one smacks me right in the face. The verb necrosate, which is the word put to death there, meaning literally to make dead, is very strong. It suggests that we are not simply to suppress or control our acts or attitudes. We are to wipe them out, completely exterminate the old way of life. If God gave his entire life for us, who are we to hold back? 
Who are we to hold back? You may have had an encounter at summer camp youth students, but this isn't the time to hold back. There is more that God has for you, but it all depends on if, you, if you're willing to accept it. So I'm a youth pastor and I like to show these things. So here's what I'm going to do, okay? Uh, I love soccer. This is soccer ball. Soccer's amazing. Soccer. Uh, usually, we have issues or pains, past life, old self, uh, as it says in the scripture, uh, sexual immorality, impurity, greed, lust, evil desires. And here's what happens. We, we take it and we hold on to it. Sometimes it comes out in anger. Sometimes it comes out in offense. And don't get me wrong. Some of this is like people really hurt us and we just hold on to it. Oh, I can't believe my boss said that. How dare he? And, you know, I can hold on to the soccer ball and I can still preach. Like, no big deal. I can still do this. Uh, I can even drive home with the soccer ball in one hand. I mean, it's going to be kind of weird if I'm driving a soccer ball right here, but I can do it. Uh, I can hold one kid. I can't hold both my kids because I have twins, but I can hold one kid. I mean, that kind of counts, right? Uh, I can probably do other things. I can probably go through an entire youth service with just holding one ball. Like, there's, there's no issue. Like, I can still do this. I, I can hold on to my past life. I can hold on to my sin and my issues, and I can still live an effective life. Here's the issue. I can still do things, but I'm not as effective as I want to be. I'm not as effective as I could be. And usually when you hold on to one offense, one thing in your past life, then it's just a lot easier to hold on to a second one. So uh, you had a person, you thought that you were going to marry them. They were the love of your life. And then they broke your heart. This one happens a lot. Now, I have two. I have a soccer ball and a volleyball. And I mean, I can't drive safely. I can drive with my knee, but it's not safe. Uh, I can... I can't really hold kids now, but I can put them in like a, a cot and like use my foot and like push down. Um, I, I mean, I can, I can still preach, like nothing's in the way. I can still do this. I'm losing effectiveness. I'm holding on to something I don't even have to hold on to. And it's super simple. I can just let go and gain full control of my two hands, but I choose not to do that. And usually we don't even stop there. We take another thing. You know what? Oh, man, my boss didn't even give me a pay raise. And I wanted my 2% pay raise. <clears throat> and we just hold on to that. And then, oh, and then there's something else. You know, like my parents didn't even say hi to me when I went into the house. Or they don't even call me anymore. And we hold on to that too. And then there's something else. Oh, my gosh. I'm here and no one even cares. And please listen to me. I'm not saying what you're going through doesn't matter. Honestly, if we had a conversation right now and I heard everything that you went through, every little detail, it'd break my heart. Like what, you, what you're going through is heavy. And I get that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay that. What I'm trying to say is if you keep holding on to it, you're missing out on what God has for you. Now here's where this, this gets really crazy, okay? So you're holding on to things and then God gives you a blessing. This is a pool noodle, but assume it's a blessing. I'm a youth pastor. It comes with the territory. And I mean, I can try to pick this up, but I'm, I'm actually going to try and do this. Okay. I, I, I couldn't do this first service, but I actually got it this time. And I'm holding this pool noodle and it looks kind of crazy. Like, I, I just need to let go. Like, I can hold, oh, it's, it's falling. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> I got this again. No, no, please. I got this. <laughs> Come on. And some of us look this way. 
You're so focused on holding on your past anger, past guilt, past hurt, that even when God gives you something good, you can't even hold it right. The moment you put it down, put down your old life. Put down, in Hebrews 1, uh, 12, 1 through 2, it says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, everything, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run the race with perseverance. Let it go. Hold on to what God has for you, and let go what he doesn't. And like I say that, and I probably made it sound really easy, I'm letting you know it is not easy. If you get saved at 20, you've had 20 years of not being saved, and now you've got to work through that, and it's going to take longer than a couple minutes, just letting you know. Like, how many of us know we expect to get saved and things did not fix immediately? That's okay. But can we try? Can we get rid of all the hurt, the anger, and just focus on what really matters? put it to death. It's not worth it. So the first point is set your mind on things above. Your second point is put to death your earthly nature. And uh, Band, you can come on up now. And your third point is put on your new self, Colossians 3.10. Some of you don't even know what God calls you. You don't even know who you are. You've been told for the longest time that you're a failure. And God calls you forgiven. Do you know that? You've been told for the longest time that you don't matter, but God died for you. Do you know that? I think sometimes one of the issues that I have personally is that I focus so much on what people have called me in the past, I don't even talk about what God calls me right now. And I wonder why I sometimes struggle with liking people. And it's not because I don't know what God's done is because I forget and I don't remind myself. Do you know what God's called you? You're loved. You're forgiven. You're free. And I know that your life may have not worked out the way that you expected, and that's okay. There's new life here. So maybe you've walked in and this is your first week and this tall, skinny, white, awkward kid is just randomly screaming on the stage and you're like, what in the world? <laughs> And maybe this is your bajillionth week. Or maybe you're in between. And I don't know about you, but when I read this scripture, all I think about is, man, I can give more of myself. I can focus more on God. I can put to death the old way. You know, I, I've told this uh, story before, and uh, it was, I think it was actually one of the second stories I, I told in this place, but I'm going to give some more context. Uh, uh, I've always known that I'd be a pastor. Like I felt called. Apparently, my mom said that I was called from a long time ago, uh, which I, I don't really know. But um, I felt distinctly that I'm going to be in ministry in some way, shape, or form in sixth, seventh grade. And I felt, uh, okay, this is different. I need to be a pastor around junior, senior year. And I was super excited for it. I worked all through college, and I was ready for it. But two and a half years ago, uh, it was one of the hardest times of my life. It was the only time that I really wanted to quit. Just give it up. I didn't want to do this. Part of it's because I was burnt out. Uh, I was alone. A lot of that was my fault. And 
I just didn't want to go on. And I, I felt distinctly that instead of just continuing with the way things are, I need to go to the beach. I need to pray. So after work, I drove down to the Fort Myers Beach, actually, uh, and I just walked around and prayed for an hour. And let me tell you, I heard nothing, <laughs> nothing at all. I was like, okay, well, I did my job. I'm done. I can go home now. And then I felt like, okay, I need to keep doing this. Woo! Okay, I'll just keep doing this until God speaks to me or God moves or something like that. Second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day. At the, at the week point, a week of doing this, every single day, I started really questioning, is this really it? Does God even care? But you know what? I, I continue on. Okay, day eight, day nine, two and a half weeks of doing the same thing, going to the beach, praying for an hour, and then leaving. Nothing. Nothing at all. And I got so frustrated and mad. And I started just yelling in my car like, God, you've called me to do something great, but you're not moving. Where are you? I need you in this moment. And I feel so lost and alone. And it was in that moment he moved. That's when he came. And I've, heard, I've told that story before, but what I didn't say was the very next youth service that I went to because I was uh, an intern at a youth group. They were playing the song. And you're going to hear it in a second. The bridge goes like this. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe you will do it again. You made a way when there is no way. And I believe you will do it again. I don't know what you've walked in through. I don't know what you're going through right now. And I don't know what you'll go through in the future. But I can tell you this. He's a good God. He loves you. He cares about you. His promises never fail. You can take that to the bank. So maybe you've questioned, does God have something for you in your life? Yes. He wants you to do something great. Maybe you don't know how to get there. That's okay. We're all growing. We're all learning. This is why we're a family. Let me just encourage you with this. You're not alone. You're not alone. So we're going to sing the song a second after I pray. And I, I just encourage you, if this is your 10th time being here. If this is your 100th time, 1,000th time, maybe this is your first time. Maybe you feel moved to do something different. I just encourage you, come, press in more. This song. This song can change your life because God, all he needs is a minute. Will you give him your all, just this one song? So let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to be here. And Lord, above all else, if we're not doing this for you, it's worthless, it's meaningless. But so long ago, you died on a cross for my sin. You paid the ultimate price for someone that wasn't even born yet. And you would do it again in a heartbeat. So Lord, I pray for every single person. I pray for the person, this is their first time here, and they're really questioning like, is this all real? I pray that you speak to them. Lord, and I pray for the person that's done it all and feels burned out, feels like no one cares. Lord, I pray you speak to them too. You're here in this moment and let us just focus on you a little bit more. In Jesus' name, amen.